Welcome to Horror Nights In Podcast. Scary movies. Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 28 of Horror Nights in Podcast with your one and only host, me, Crystal. I also have my wonderful co-host, the one and only Roxy, the kitty, who adds in her comments here and there depending on the topic. I upload a new podcast every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time. So on this podcast, we talk about my life, my favorite horror movie of the week that you guys pick, and anything else horror, so thank you for being here. I also challenge all of you listening to leave me an iTunes review. It not only makes my days better, it also helps other horror fiends find me. You can also find me on the socials, on Twitter at HorrorDaddiesRUs, Instagram at Horror Nights and Podcast, and on Tumblr at Horror Nights and Podcast. So be sure to follow me on there for all the latest Horror Nights in news. Once again, thank you to everyone who participated in my most recent role on Twitter. Uh, I appreciate everyone who took the time to vote. So on this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast, we are delving into the 1997 horror film, I Know What You Did Last Summer. I'll be giving you the Rotten Tomatoes, the IMDb score, then delving deep into the plot, characters, and my overall honest and horrific opinion on this film. So, Rotten Tomatoes gave this film a 42%, with 40% of the audience liking it. IMDb gave this film a 5.7 out of 10. I Know What You Did Last Summer was released October 17, 1997, with a running time of 101 minutes. The film was written by Kevin Williamson, who also wrote the iconic Scream, and it was directed by Jim Gillespie. Williamson tried to sell this script before he sold Scream, but no one wanted it. So following the huge box office success of Scream, Columbia Records immediately bought I Know What You Did Last Summer script. This film stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., and Ryan Phillippe. This film is also loosely based on the 1973 film of the same name by Lewis Duncan. I actually have this book, and the two are totally different, but I'll get into that a little bit later. The film costs are reported $17 million to make. It earned back $72 million in North America and another $53 million overseas. The film celebrated its 20th anniversary in 2017. So a short IMDb synopsis of this film is four young friends bound by a tragic accident are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook-wielding maniac in the small seaside town. So as horror fans, I can assume we are all aware of this film, and I can assume that we all love it. I'm sure there are a few of you out there that aren't fans, but I also assume you aren't listening to this episode. So, because a lot of you have seen this film before, and are like me, and have watched it multiple times, I wanted to do something a little bit different for this podcast. First, I'm going to give you a shorter synopsis of the film, 
Then I'm going to delve into what the world was like in 1997 when the film was released and where the stars were at their career in their careers at that time. So the film begins on the night of the 4th of July and our group of friends, Julie, Helen, Barry, and Ray are living their best lives and decide to head to the beach after attending a party. But before the night ends, the group accidentally run over a man and decide to throw his body in the bay and never speak of the night again. So a year later, after the hit and run and the vow of secrecy, Julie returns home from college and clearly not the same bubbly person she once was, and the friends have all gone their separate ways. Julie receives a letter in the mail with no return address with the words, I know what you did last summer on it. Seeing this, she tracks down her former friend, Karen, and they take the note to Barry, who assumes Max is behind it because he was the only one that saw them there that night. But of course, it's not him either. Max is later killed by someone in the very iconic rain slicker and hook. Barry is the first friend to encounter the killer when the killer leaves a note in his locker that says, I know, and is almost ran over by the killer by Barry's own car. So after Barry is attacked, Julie is able to track down the man she thinks they ran over one year ago. His name was David. Julie was able to track down his sister, Missy, who mentioned that David's friend they call Billy Blue visited the home after David was killed. Later that evening, Karen's long blonde hair is chopped off by the killer and written on the mirror in red lipstick is the word soon. The next morning, Julie goes to open her trunk and finds Max's dead body inside. But before she can show her friends, somebody has moved the body. The three then go confront Ray without about everything that has happened so far, and Ray shows them the ominous letter that he got too. Julie goes back and visits Missy to get more information about David, only to find out that David actually committed suicide out of guilt for the death of his girlfriend Susie in a car accident, so in turn was not the man that they ran over and killed last year. Missy then shows Julie his suicide note, only to see that it is the same note they had all been receiving. Meanwhile, Barry and Karen are at the Croker beauty pageant where Barry is killed on a balcony and Karen is later killed in an alleyway. So the scene where Karen dies is probably one of my favorite in horror cinema because the chase and the overall anxiety ridden scene of how close she was escaping only to be drowned out by the parade. Julie then finds an article mentioning Susie's father, Ben Willis, and realizes that Ben was a man that they actually ran over moments after he killed David to avenge his daughter. She then goes on to the docks to tell Ray, but he refuses to believe her. She then notices that his boat is called Billy Blue and assumes that he is the actual killer, and she runs. Then the actual killer appears and knocks Ray unconscious and helps Julie get away. But with him being the killer, she begins to find the clues in the boat along with the dead bodies of her friends. Ray then jacks a motorboat and is able to save her by using the rigging to sever Ben's hand and throw him overboard. When the two survivors are questioned by police as to why Ben would want to kill them, they both deny any reason as to why that would happen. We then jump to a year later, and Julie is back in college. As she is about to get into the shower, she sees the words, I still know, 
on the mirror, and the killer crashes through it as Julie screams, and the film ends. So before we get into the rest of the episode, I wanted to take a couple seconds and play you the trailer from the 1997 cult classic, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Enjoy. So the boy and girl are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escaped from an insane asylum. That's not the way it goes. The boy goes for help and the girl stays in the car and she hears this... Like scratching sound. No, he's been decapitated. No, he was gutted with a hook. Oh my gosh. I think he's dead. We can't just leave him here. Oh, tell me, little Miss Prelaw, what's the charge for manslaughter? We make a pact. Right here and now we take the Sora grave. For the last year, four friends have kept a secret. Are you on drugs? No. Then what is wrong? I've had a rough year. But not all secrets stay buried. Gosh, somebody sent this to me. Oh my God. Someone knows. I know what you did last summer. Ooh. What they thought would be a new beginning. Toast to us. Is becoming a dead end. Somebody tried to kill you last night. We have to go to the police. If you want to be dead, he could have done it. And the mistake they made. It was an accident. There was no accident. It was murder. What if he's still alive? Hey! What are you doing here? Is coming back to haunt them. Oh, my gosh. He's after me, too. I got a letter. I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. <laughs> Julie gets a body in a trunk, and you get a letter? That's balanced. He's waiting for us to unravel. <laughs> the wait is over. What are you waiting for? remember back in the early 2000s obviously the late 90s and the early 2000s when you would see previews for the first time on tv instead of on your phone um so watching this preview back definitely brought me back to the days when i would go to blockbuster after work on friday nights and go home and watch a movie um so it definitely shows and makes me feel some nostalgia um for sure. So hope you guys enjoyed that. So let's continue. So back to the year 1997, which was also the same year that Princess Diana was killed in a car accident, Mike Tyson uh, bit Evan Holyfield's ear off, and it was also the murder of Versace. So horror definitely looked different in 1997 than it does now. There was a, the, the release of the iconic Scream True 2 and Event Horizon. Horror has been taken over by teens getting themselves into messy situations, which is exactly uh, what I what I know what you did last summer is all about. So in 1997, the stars of the film were wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. The production team wanted a cast that were beautiful yet likable. 
So Jennifer Love Hewitt playing Julie James was only 19, well, I'm sorry, was only 18 years old when the film was first released and was picked by the producers and the director because she had an air of vulnerability that fit the part. She also told Huffington Post that the movie freaked her out. She'd return home after filming and she couldn't sleep. Another strange tidbit that I have to assume is true because I read it on the internet is that the iconic scene of Julie throwing a temper tantrum and yelling, what do you want from me, was actually from a fan who won a contest to create a moment for the film. Then we have Ryan Phillippe playing the role of Barry Cox, who was 23 when the film was released. The production team wanted a big, burly quarterback-like appearance, but he won the part because of his audition, even though he was smaller than what they pictured and what they wanted. Next, we have Freddie Prince Jr. playing the role of Ray Bronson, who was 21 years old when the film was released, and was picked by the director because he's embodied in every, every man quality, but only after he auditioned a few times, cut off his hair, and bulked up. Then we have my favorite, Sarah Michelle Gellar, playing the role of Helen Shivers, who was only 20 years old when the film was released. She was the last actress to fulfill her role. The director commented on casting Geller, I wanted an actress that had a warmth to her, but could still come off as being a bitch. An interesting fact is that the director chose to film virtually no on-screen blood as he did not want the film to be over-gratuitous in terms of violence. Also, the original ending of the film featured a sequence in which Julie receives an email reading, I still know. This ending was scrapped for the more dramatic ending featured in the final cut of the film, in which Julie finds the same message scrolled on a shower stall just before the killer comes crashing through the glass. The film was followed by two sequels, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer in 1998, and in 2006, I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer, which went directly to video. I did enjoy the sequel to the film, but it wasn't quite as good as the first. Cannot speak on the third because to this date, I still have not seen the third one. I do remember seeing this film a few times and still being a little confused as to who the killer actually was. And I think it was a little too many back and forths and who's who as to what's going on. I do like the twist of the teenage agony in the film and I'll always enjoy watching it over and over, but it was a little bit confusing. So on to the book. The author, Lewis Duncan, apparently wasn't a fan of the film. She was disappointed the film took the bare minimum from the book. Two things that were changed are the villain, who was only a hooded figure, but in the film was the iconic fisherman jacket and the hook, and the hit and run was originally a kid on a bicycle that was changed to an adult man. So where did this hook come from? So according to IMDb, the killer's arming of himself with a hook is a reference to the urban legend The Hook, which the four main characters recount at the beginning of the film around a campfire. According to the writer, he wrote the scene as a way of indicating what was to come. Basically, what I was doing was I was setting the framework to say, all right, audience, that's the legend. Now here's a new one. Unlike Williamson's screenplay for the film's contemporary Scream, which incorporated satire of the slasher film, I Know What You Did Last Summer was written more as a straightforward slasher film. 
Gillespie, the director, commented in 2008, the joy of this film for me as a filmmaker was in taking the elements that we've seen before and saying to the audience, here's something you've you've seen before, knowing they're saying we've seen this before, and still getting them to jump. Gillespie also claimed that he felt Williamson's screenplay did not resemble a slasher horror movie, and that he saw it rather as simply a really good story with a morality tale embedded within it. The director also wanted the audience to decide what they would do if they were one of the four teens who ran someone over. So what's in store for the future of this cult classic? Well, in 2014, news broke that producer Neil Moritz was planning to remake the film with a script written by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard, the duo behind Oculus and Netflix's new adaptation of Stephen King's Gerald's Game. This past June, Flanagan said the screenplay was in Morty's hands and that he hoped the project was still going forward. I truly enjoy this film because it was one of the first slasher horror um, films I remember watching. I also thought Jennifer Love Hewitt was so pretty and embodied embodied that all-American scream queen along with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Nev Campbell, who are also stunners. It is one of my favorite... Is it one of my favorite horror films? No, but anytime I see it on a streaming service, I um, definitely enjoy watching it. Uh, It brings back the nostalgia of being too young to watch horror movies, but doing it anyway. This movie is definitely up there with Scream, but I don't think anything will ever truly beat Scream. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Horror Nights in Podcasts with your one and only host, me, Crystal, and my co-host, Roxy. If you enjoyed this episode, go listen to another one, binge it out, leave me a review, and have the best week wherever you are. And whatever you do, remember to always give your honest and horrific opinion no matter what. Bye, guys.